reason why I had you do that little exercise is we're talking about words today. And more importantly, the Spirit of God and words. How our words should be a vehicle that transports the heart of God. Okay. And so the shell, the surface, the thing that people hear and, so to speak, see on the outside, there are words, our, our voices, they, they hear our inflections. But this is all hopefully a conduit of a deeper voice, a deeper word. And we're talking today about spirit and words. In Acts chapter 2 is where we land, if you can flip there. We're going to go through the, the first 13 verses of the chapter. Acts chapter 2. Now, you have likely heard, read this passage before in Acts chapter 2. And you've probably heard it, you know, this teaching on Pentecost and uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit in the realm of uh, the spiritual language of speaking in tongues. Now, I want to, yes, understand that that is a, a dynamic portion of this scripture, but I want to unpackage something here that I believe is tremendously important for our day-to-day lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, and so if you had remembered, they'd been gathering consistently since Jesus was ascended up until he- uh, to heaven. They'd gathered to pray. And during this time of consistent gathering, Pentecost had come. It's a, a Jewish festival. They were all together in one place. And that's still most likely that upper room. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome and Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But of course there were some mockers and these others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. Amen. We'll stop there. This account of Scripture shows us the faithfulness of God and the truthfulness of what Jesus had spoken not too long ago from this occurrence. Jesus ascending up until heaven and saying to His disciples, stay in Jerusalem, you're going to get a promise from My Father. It will be a Holy Spirit and you will be empowered to be witnesses of Mine. 
And so when Jesus ascends, these disciples go into this upper room of Jerusalem and consistently gather to pray. Time progressed. Weeks passed. Pentecost had come and they gathered again in festival, in celebration, in worship, and also in prayer. And on this special day, this festival of Pentecost, it says that there was this violent rushing wind. Just imagine this cyclone coming indoors. Okay? And as this was happening, there came descending these flames flaming tongues, and it was resting on each individual. And as soon as that happened, their mouths opened up. And a sound was coming out, and there was a a gathering of people, because it was a festival. And so people from all over were in Jerusalem at this time. What a great time for God to give the church His Spirit. When there were so many other people to witness this, what was happening. And so these visitors that were coming from these regions all around in Jerusalem at this time, and this sound erupts from the believers. And then suddenly, the miracle happens. Not just the miracle of God influencing a person's tongue, but the miracle of God influencing a person's ear. And you see that double miracle there. And so these people now were hearing this sound that was occurring, resounding from this group of believers, and they were hearing it from the language in which they were born. And so they didn't hear it just in in the Aramaic or the Greek. They, they, They heard it in the language of their birth, regardless of where they were from. And they were all confused. Wait a minute, I'm hearing this in my native tongue. And the other person is saying, wait, I'm hearing this in my native tongue. And they were two different native tongues. And so everyone was hearing something in a different form, but the same message. And as these people were talking, you can imagine this is quite an occurrence here. And it's like, what's going on? What's going on? And they're talking to each other. I'm hearing this. What are you hearing? I'm hearing this. That's exactly what you heard. But why am I hearing it in my language? You hearing it in your language. And so the message was the same. But the languages were different. And the source was the church. And so as this is happening, God giving the Holy Spirit to His church, the first thing that God influences, if you you get it right, the very first thing that God influences when He gives the Spirit to His church is the tongue. You have to ask, I think, why? Like, like you give the Spirit, and it's such a a monumental occurrence. We're talking about a validation of validations. Jesus saying, it's better that I go to the Father, for I will send you a helper. This person will be your teacher and your counselor. He will guide you in all of the truth, remind you of everything that I said. And Jesus had spoke a lot about the giving of a Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And when this Spirit had come, we're talking about a great occurrence. And the first thing that God says, I will influence, is your tongue. Your tongue. And I find it intriguing, yet natural. And the reason why is because the tongue is the most powerful weapon and tool we possess. It's the most powerful. Now, you think about all of the things that can move, in a sense, heaven and earth. 
You think of machinery or bombs. You think of things that are might and strength and power. And yes, they exert a lot of influence. A weapon can, can, can kill a lot of people. A building falling can create a lot of damage. A pen in somebody's hand can, can communicate a lot. And when we talk about words, yes, an atom bomb, a nuclear bomb can level a city, but words can truly inspire a generation. Words have the ability to lead an army. Words have the ability to lift up the spirit of a collective nation. As I speak these words to you, you can probably think of individuals in history that have really taken a stand and spoken words that were defining in that moment and for their generation. You think of American history, maybe that iconic I Have a Dream speech of Martin Luther King Jr. on that Washington Mall speaking to a generation that was fighting for equal rights. And speaking of a dream of colored children and white children, speaking of a dream that he saw in his mind, but speaking it in a way to communicate and inspire and elevate a message to a degree that we still here today can listen to and be inspired by. If you are familiar with church history, another Martin Luther, the German taking a stand in his era for his generation against the abuses of the church and saying it should not be that our mediator is Jesus Christ. We need not another middleman between us and God. And speaking of the malpractice of selling salvation, so to speak, through indulgences and speaking eloquently and speaking powerfully to a generation that surrounded him. And those words outlasted his life. And you can go all throughout history. You look to Europe, people like Winston Churchill inspiring a nation during a tumultuous time of war. That words are powerful. And it's no wonder that God chose when he gave his spirit to the church to influence the tongue. To influence a person's words, how they speak, what they speak about, the power and wisdom of their words. And so maybe you consider yourself a good speaker, or maybe you consider yourself a poor speaker. Okay? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about public speaking, right? Because by and large, that's still one of the, the top fears that we have. We have a fear of heights, and we have a fear of public speaking. Those really make the, the top of the list many, many times amongst people. Not necessarily public speaking, but what I'm talking about is just speaking in general. To be able to convey thoughts to another person, whether they're sitting across a table from you or sitting in the seat next to you in the vehicle. Just to be able to speak. Do you consider yourself a person who speaks and communicates well or poorly? Now, I don't want to necessarily talk about that you need to be poetic in form and have this massive vocabulary and just have a, a library of books to really be at your repertoire. But I'm talking about we all use words to communicate things that are in our hearts. And God so wants to influence our tongues so that the words that we speak communicate, in a sense, what these people were hearing. 
of the mighty deeds of God. And so here's my main idea. Use your words to inspire people and point them to a fuller life in God. This is what we should do with our words. That when we choose to open our mouths, open it in a way so that how you choose your words, how you connect those words, how you, you have the tone in those words, that use your words to inspire people and point them to the fullness that they have in God. We don't always have to use the, the name Jesus or the word God, but in our speech, in our communication with others, that we ought to do this, that we ought to ask God to help us to use our words so that people will understand us, right? In a sense, kind of like this miracle, this sound was coming out as God was influencing the tongue, and it was coming out from the church, and everyone could hear and understand it. Now, I know that there is this miraculous dynamic in Acts chapter 2, and that is something that is so unique here. But what I want to unpackage in a general way is that we need to use our tongue, and when we speak of the things of God, to do it in a way where people can hear it and understand it, where they stand, where they sit, from who they are. That communication is not one person speaking. Communication is, yes, the speaking, but it is the understanding. And we see here a multitude of people understanding and hearing of the mighty deeds of God. And so we need to ask God for help. Lord, would you help us to use words that people can understand? That people can can hear and receive. And secondly, I think we need to ask God for help to use words that communicate God's plan and design. Now, it's not just about preaching the gospel and and sharing the, the name of Jesus and introducing people to that person and bringing them down a path of salvation. While that is a part of our Christian witness, a lot of our Christian testimony is also wrapped around helping people to live a life in the fullness of God. To understand that true joy is not by having this monetary status. To know that recognition is fleeting and fading. To know that health, position and power, that all of these things are frail and crumble. And to be able to communicate things to people of a deeper meaning in life and a fullness that we can have that is lasting. That these are the opportunities that we must take when we use our words and speak with people. That God wants to influence our tongue and He wants to exert His his power over it. And He wants to give it a voice and a message that is deep and lasting and that a sound would come out of our mouths and people would hear it, understand it, and it would point them to what God is doing. The elections are, are this week. How can we use our words, our voice, to point people to not down a road of disparity, but how can we point people to say, what would God want to hear or say in the midst of all of this? How is He leading this nation? What would be His perspective of it all? How could we use our words in a healthy way to point people to God, not put them in a corner, not to belittle 
How can we use our words and surrender our tongue to God so that people can understand and know the design and plan of God? And one contrast that I want to bring to you is that there are times where we use spiritual words and there are times where we use common words. Now, when I use the word common, I don't mean unspiritual. I want you to to at least understand that. And when I say spiritual, what I'm talking about is saying outrightly, you know, God, Jesus, salvation, sin. Words that you you hear a lot in, in Christian circles. Now, I've kind of generalized that to say spiritual words, and please forgive the simplicity of that, okay? But I just thought it would be helpful to generalize it in these two buckets. And so there are spiritual conversations, and there are, in a sense, common ones. But I don't want you to think that the common conversations or the common words are unspiritual. Because the common words can have spiritual content. It can have a spiritual backbone. That the Spirit of God can invade common conversations and still point people to a life in God. And so I don't want you to to write this or or, or draw a hard line between these and say that these are different. I either speak spiritual or I speak regular words. That God wants to take even the common words and put a core in it. That we can speak with colleagues and friends in a way that might sound not so spiritual because we're not using those key words. But I want us to understand that the common conversations that we have also need to be infused with God's Spirit. And that when I'm in the office, I speak in a way that honors people. I speak in a way of love, of hope and joy. And that in so doing, I'm taking these common words and I'm claiming them as spiritual. And I'm saying, God, would you use my tongue to edify? Would you use my tongue to inspire, to lead people inch by inch closer to you? And to say it plainly, language matters. Language matters. Now, for me, I've always, at least in my adult life, enjoyed reading and writing. When I was in high school, I never finished one book in high school. Anyone like that? Yeah? Okay. You're not so courageous to admit it? Okay. <laughs> I had cliff notes, okay? And that's how I got through English. Um, uh, so I, I didn't read much in, in high school until that. I, I just got by. But I started to read more after that. And I started to enjoy reading, and I started to enjoy writing that it was such a a powerful means of communication to have well-thought-out words laid out on a page so as to be crafted and gifted to the people that are around you. I thought it was such a powerful thing. And so I've always wanted to write, and recently I'm trying to take this resurgence and, and just really just try to write a little bit more. And every time I write, I'm trying to craft it. Is it better to put this word in front of that word or after the word? Is there a better descriptive word? How can I take words out so that there's less clutter and I can compact it in words of meaning? And I'm thinking about language, grammar, and I'm thinking about choice of words. And all of that matters in writing. If you've ever read good literature, language matters. And it makes a difference. 
And so when you take the, the, common, the commonness of language and you infuse it with the Spirit of God, what is possible from there? And so, if language matters, we ought not be reckless with our speech. All right? if, if language matters... We ought not just speak haphazardly and you know, speak emotionally. I know at times our emotions get the best of us and we can speak in anger or in frustration, impatience. And it just blurts out. But especially if we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we must know how to arrest it. We must know how to handcuff it and say, no, you will not escape these lips that way. You will not come out in anger. God wants to exert His influence over my tongue and I will not speak a half word, a lighthearted word, a meaningless word. Scripture is clear where our words will be held accountable for. And when Scripture will say that every dot of an I and every cross of a T was done and that God was serious about the words of the Old Testament and how everything would be fulfilled, if He is so keen on the accuracy of words, should we not as His people? And then when we speak words to people, it should not be an emotion, but it should be birthed in the Spirit. Words matter. Language matters. In James chapter 3, I wrote a little uh, notation reference in your sermon cards. James is writing this letter, and he's talking about a lot of things, of course. And a part of it in chapter 3, he says that there is a horse, and they have these bits in their mouths, right? And a horse is a strong animal. I mean, if you've ever been around a, like a horse, I mean, my uncle used to have horses, and so I, I would be able to feed this horse some carrots. And I'm going to talk, when you get up close to a horse, you realize that this thing can really mow you over. Like, this thing is a strong, strong animal, right? And this massive animal is controlled by these little tiny bits in his mouth. That there is this large ship and there are winds that prevail on the surface and blow into this ship. But this ship that is massive and all of the winds around it will direct it based on its little rudder. And so James is saying, as a horse is guided by its bits or a ship by its rudder, so is man by his tongue. That it is a small part of your body, but it will actually guide you. It will lead you down a path somewhere, your tongue will. You will follow this tongue. And how we speak makes a difference in our lives and in the lives of other people. It seems so small and inconsequential. But it has so much power. And so if language matters, when we have opportunities to speak in private or in public, let us never squander those opportunities. Let us understand that whether I am on a stage speaking to people with attention that is devoted or speaking casually in a line in a market with a stranger, that each of those moments is special. That each of those moments there is an opportunity. Whether I have 500 words to speak or just one. And so the exercise was, in 15 seconds, think about one word that you can speak to somebody. You know, maybe you think, like, you know, I don't know, maybe just a random word. 
But next time I hope that if you just have one word to speak to somebody, and this was the last word you had to speak to that person, think of it that way. That how would you choose that word? How would you pray for the choice of that word? God, is there actually one word you want to communicate to this person right now? And so words matter. That opportunity matters. If I'm a manager with my employees, an employee with a customer, if I'm a friend with another, that each of those moments matter. And God wants to give His Spirit to the church, and He wants to exert influence over the tongue, and He wants, with words, to point people to a better and fuller life in Him, describing His plan and His mighty deeds, what He has done. And so let us be a church that does that. Now, I'm going to show you maybe something unspiritual right now. It's going to be a two and a half minute clip. Now, this clip, I've, I remember listening to this speech, right, a couple of years ago. It was from the Oscars. And Jenny had recently kind of found this clip on social media and she kind of shared it. And I, I listened to it again last night and I just thought this was perfect timing. I'm just going to share it, right? And so this is a clip of Matthew McConaughey receiving his best actor. Now, the content I thought was 
phenomenal. I don't think he wasted a word in those two and a half minutes of this clip. He didn't speak from a preaching standpoint, but he was able to communicate some important values and directives in his life. And I thought through it all, he also communicated his faith. And he did it at the Oscars a couple of years back. Whether you consider yourself a preacher of the gospel or a person that's just in the marketplace, I want us to know that every opportunity that we have to open our mouths is a moment that we can seize and ask God to exert His influence over. To say, God, would you use my words to make a difference, whether in passing or with concentration. There is an author, C.S. Lewis, what a brilliant mind. We read one of his books in our book club a little while ago. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. The the way that this book is crafted, C.S. Lewis taking the, the, the position of screw tape, which is of the devil, and trying to speak in a way to destroy followers of God, and speaking from that reverse mentality was so amazing. And how he crafted his words, it's been timeless. People read of Lewis. Christopher's middle name is Lewis because of C.S. Lewis. One of my favorite authors, this is the person that really got me into reading and ultimately writing, Max Lucado. This book was one of the first that I've probably read cover to cover in about a sit- like in two sittings. And... Um, as soon as I picked up this book, from, from its first page, I was just, I just, it just hit me, the, the, the rhythmic nature of his words and how he would be able to communicate words in a way that were so understandable with this picture. It was just beautiful. And Max Lucado was a person that inspired me to want to actually write Christian books and books that just are read. And a quote from one of the chapters here of a changed face and a set of wings is, people on a plane and people on a pew have a lot in common. All are on a journey. And most are well-behaved and presentable. And for many, the mark of a good flight and the mark of a good worship assembly are the same. Nice, we like to say. We exit the same way we enter and we're happy to return the next time. But then he says, a few, however, are not content with nice. And the imagery that he portrayed and the eloquence and rhythm in which he wrote was something that I thought was very impactful. And it's something that I've tried to, to, to practice and to implement even in my own writing. But it shows me the power of words. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, Martin Luther King Jr. This past summer, I had the privilege to go to Washington, D.C. with a group of pastors for a week. And we met with some phenomenal people, went to the State Department, had some amazing meetings. And a part of our downtime, we got to, to sightsee a little bit. And one of the places that we, we went to right after uh, the Lincoln Memorial is we went to the MLK, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. And it looks like this. It's 
just perched on the side of this lake. And you got this huge monument. And I know you can't see it here, but it's a rock on the, on the entrance. And it's got an etched out thing. And they've pulled this rock out. And it's just talking about out of you know, that, that mountain of diversity comes this, this, this hope. And MLK Jr. was a, a voice of that hope. And surrounding this entire space is this kind of like stone wall. And it goes all around. And on each section of the wall, there are famous quotes by Martin Luther King Jr. And I took a picture of every single one of those quotes. And I I have a couple for you. And it says, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumphant. I mean, you just have to let that sit with you for a second. It just, is good. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. You might not be a Martin Luther King Jr. able to stand on the Washington Mall in front of a million people. Your words may never be etched on the side of stone surrounding a monument that resembles you. But what I do know is that you have moments to speak that are important. Moments to speak that will last in the minds and memories of people. It might not be the masses, but it will be important people whether they're your family or your colleagues, whether they're your relatives or strangers. May the words we choose and use be God-inspired words. May they be impactful words, words that will lead people closer to a vision of God. And so I close. You guys come back. I close with two thoughts. First, is speak about God and His works. And this is plain, right? Plain. Just speak about God and what He has done in your life, in life in general, in human history. Make that a point, to speak about God. That's very important. It's about being a witness, testifying of Jesus. But I want to peel that back just a little bit. And not only do I want to say speak about God and His works, What I want to say is speak God-filled words. Speak words that are filled with the character of God. And in that moment, you're not leading somebody to Christ. But in that moment, you're giving them a better picture of what Christ looks like. And so speak words that are saturated with the heart of God, that He is in there somewhere, right? He is in there. I love reading about influential giving people in the marketplace. When when I dig a little bit deeper, I find out, ah, they love God. They're followers of Jesus. I love finding that out on the tail end, not on the front end. And so when you speak with people, don't wear the badge and say, Ah, I'm the Christian. Listen, these are God's words to you. But what I say is, speak words every day of your life 
that are dependent in prayer, in heart and in character, on God's voice. May He infuse that power and inspiration in the words we choose. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.